0: This is All Being Equal, an ongoing conversation about equality in society, brought to you by the Melbourne Social Equity Institute at the University of Melbourne.
1: Hello, I'm Bernadette McSherry, the Director of the Melbourne Social Equity Institute. The Institute supports research which addresses disadvantage, and we're very interested in supporting projects that lead to the full participation and inclusion of persons with disabilities in society. I'm speaking with Professor Lisa Waddington, who's currently visiting the Institute and the University of Melbourne Law School. She holds the Chair in European Disability Law at Maastricht University in the Netherlands and is an expert in European and comparative disability law. She's here in Australia to find out a bit more about the law and policy relating to disability here. Lisa, can you tell us a bit about disability law and policy in Europe and how you've become interested in research in this field?
2: Well, uh, I started working in this field when I began my PhD, which was in the the very end of the the 1980s. Um, And uh, when I applied to the university, it was the European University Institute in Florence, which is in essence a a university of the European Union and the European um, Union member states, uh, a postgraduate university uh, working in the field of law. Politics, economics, and history. When, when you apply there, you have to put forward your own proposal, and you can put a proposal, put forward a proposal on anything. Although there is a preference for uh, proposals that relate to uh, European law, policy, and comparative uh, European studies. So prior to this, I've been doing a lot of voluntary work with disabled people and disabled people's organisations. And I enjoyed this very much. I've been working in various different countries in Europe and also the US. Um, And as well as enjoying it, I I also saw that there were a lot of struggles and there were issues related to uh, exclusion uh, and segregation. Um, And I hadn't been working on this in an academic sense at all. I'd I'd been doing my my, my undergraduate studies and there was no possibility to study disability law uh, at that time at all. And it's still quite unusual in Europe actually. But when I came to put forward the PhD proposal I decided to uh, write a proposal relating to uh, the Europe, what was then the European Economic Community and the disability employment policy. Now I should say that at this time there was absolutely no disability law or policy at the level of the European Economic Community. Um, so in, in essence, I was putting forward a research proposal where there was nothing to research, there was no literature to read, there was no policy, there was no law. Um, but this this did not deter me, and uh, in the end, I, I, I wrote a PhD which was in essence about what I thought the European Economic Community could do in this field and what I thought it should do. And around this time, the early nineties, the Americans with Disabilities Act had just been adopted. So that a non discrimination act, so that was also an inspiration. So I defended my PhD in 1993, and there was still actually um, no policy. So in essence, my PhD was was a work of fiction. Uh, But in the years that have passed since then, the European economic community, it's it's now become the European Union, it certainly has developed quite an advanced, quite a complex uh, disability law and policy. It has, for example, non-discrimination law, which... uh, we, which which, which uh, all the member states have to um, transpose and this has led to non-discrimination law in all 28 EU member states and that was certainly inspired by the Americans or influenced by the Americans with Disabilities Act. The EU has ratified, it's a party of the UN Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities and we see disability law and policy influencing many different areas of uh, the work that the EU is doing. So back when I started, there was nothing to write about, but somehow I managed to create a, a story that, that, that got me a PhD, and, and now uh, there is a great deal to write about and a great deal to research.
1: Well, it must have been very exciting for you to be able to, to see that gap and then decide, well, somebody needs to be working in this area, but just to see how it's developed over the past 20 years. What do you think the, the future holds for disability law and policy in Europe?
2: Well, I think that the... The ratification of the UN Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities by the EU is going to be, or it is indeed, very significant. This is the first human rights treaty, the first UN human rights treaty which the EU has ratified. It, it wasn't possible for the EU to become a party to the previous treaties on the rights of women or Uh, uh, the Convention on the Elimination of Racial Discrimination, the Convention on the Rights of the Child. Uh, So international organizations could not become a party to that, but they could become a party to the Disability Convention and the EU push for that. Now, uh, the the European Commission, which is the body which... um, in general, proposes legislation for the most part is taking its obligations quite seriously. But there are rather, uh, but there are different, let's say, different departments, different uh, directorates within the Commission, and some have much greater awareness of disability law and policy and the need to, uh, if you like, uh, comply with the Convention than others. So I think there's still a lot of work to do in embedding the, the UN convention, the philosophy of the UN convention within the, the institutions and, and within all the departments and the directorates of the European Union. But I think that that is certainly going to be the, the guiding light for European Union policy in the years to come. And in some areas, the European Union is, is 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 perhaps doing rather well. And in some areas, it still has a lot of work to do. And there's always a tension, if you like, between the European Union and the member states and the question is who should who should act should it be the European Union or should the member states take responsibility now at the moment The UN Committee on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities is considering the state report of the European Union. They considered it in April, so last month for the first time, and in September they will be giving their concluding observations, if you like, their advice, their their opinion on what the European Union has done and where it still has... uh, uh, action, that, 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 where there is still action that needs to be taken, where the European Union is perhaps not complying completely with the Convention. So we have to see how the European Union responds to that. Respond, there will certainly be criticisms. The, the, the concluding observations always contain criticism and identify weaknesses for all states. They, that was true when Australia submitted their state report and it's true for every other state. So there will certainly be weaknesses identified and we'll have to see how the European Union responds to that.
1: Well, Lisa, I know with your research, you work a lot with different organisations, with persons with disabilities. Do you have any sense of of what it's like on the ground in in terms of disability advocacy and and so on? Uh, Is there a perception that your research and, and the different policies have really made
2: a difference in the lives of people with disabilities? Well, you're right. Bernadette, I do do a lot of work with disabled people's organizations in Europe. And I'd like to actually begin by explaining that my chair, the chair that I hold was established in cooperation between the European Disability Forum and Maastricht University. And the European Disability Forum is the umbrella organization of disabled people's organizations in Europe. So this is actually quite a unique form of collaboration between uh, DPOs and academia, we we have a lot of ad hoc projects, but the, this the establishing a chair is uh, quite uh, quite an unusual uh, and very positive initiative, I would say. Now, I've already said that there is a lot going on in Europe in terms of law and policy, and disabled people's organisations certainly at the the European level are very interested in this, and the European Disability Forum has members throughout. The, the member states, uh, and men, so national organizations of disabled people's organizations, and many of those are very engaged and very interested in what's happening at the European level. Not all of them, but but, but many of them. Um, now, I, I think the expectation about what the European Union and pr- probably what the United Nations uh, can do in terms of having a practical and positive impact on the lives of disabled people is 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 greater than than what is possible in reality, and I know it's certainly true that. Um in some member states, particularly the new member states, so in central Europe, the former communist states, there was a great expectation that when these states joined the European Union, many positive things would happen with regard to disability and with regard to other areas. Uh, and that, uh, that let's say, the European Union hasn't delivered to the extent that many people in these states w- would, would wish for. Having said that, we can say that the European Union has had certain very positive effects, Firstly, in terms of having non-discrimination legislation. In the year 2000, the European Union adopted a directive of a kind of European Union law which required all member states to adopt national legislation which prohibits disability discrimination in the field of employment. Now, at that time, only three of the current 28 member states had that kind of legislation. so. 25 states have introduced that legislation in response to this European Union uh, directive. And the other three member states actually had to improve or strengthen their legislation in some way. So that's a very noticeable difference. Um, And... Whilst it, it, it certainly hasn't led to the elimination of discrimination with regard to employment uh, against people with disabilities, unfortunately legislation cannot do that so quickly, it aims to do that, but it doesn't happen overnight. It certainly led to a change in attitude um, and, and also a greater awareness amongst disabled people of um, rights issues and the, and the problem, problems related to discrimination. The European Union is also important for for for, for disabled people's organisations and for projects benefiting disabled people because it's a source of great funding. It has, relatively speaking, a lot of money, uh, which can be which can be uh, used to fund academic research, but also projects designed to stimulate employment, infrastructure projects, and projects in many different areas. Um, now the potential exists for that money to be used to benefit disabled people for example to require that infrastructure projects are accessible to encourage uh, member states to move away from institutionalization and move towards community living that potential has not been exercised to its f- to its fullest extent to date but the European Union and the European Commission that the the executive body is Working towards that is developing that. So I think that uh, uh, that has been important and it can become more important. But there is always the risk that the European Union is is going to allow member states to to ex, to spend european union money in ways which exclude disabled people which in projects which are not accessible or to build new large scale institutions to house disabled people that also happens so there needs to be close monitoring and there needs to uh, be efforts and uh, indeed rules to ensure that that does not happen
1: well lisa you've been at the university of melbourne as a visitor for a few months now And I was wondering if you've formed any opinions as to how the policy and law here in Australia may differ or is similar to the the policy that you've been studying and what lessons you think Australia might learn from the European experience?
2: What I have noticed about Australia and, and Australia's record with regard to human rights generally is that externally, so outside of Australia... Australia is a very strong uh, advocate of human rights. Uh, Australia ratifies or or signs up to human rights treaties rather well, rather conscientiously. And it pushes for recognition of human rights in in other countries outside of Australia. But when it comes to what's happening internally, the, the, the attitude seems to be, what we're doing is good enough. We already comply with all these human rights treaties. We don't really need to do uh, much of anything. We don't need to change our policies. We don't need to adopt new laws um, because our policies are already fully human rights compliant. They're fully compliant, for example, with the UN Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities, and we just have to do a little, of some minor changes. Now that attitude is not unusual, I think, amongst Western democracies. They they, they assume that the human rights problems are outside of, of, of themselves in other parts of the world, and what they're doing is already fully compliant with human rights standards. So in Europe, I would say a lot of states have that attitude as well. But a big difference in Europe is that we have some external courts, some external bodies which actually uh, exert some influence and some control over human rights policies uh, and human rights initiatives. So on the one hand, we have the European Convention of Human Rights, a human rights treaty that applies to practically all European states. All European states have signed up to it. And that is backed up by a European Court of Human Rights And in some circumstances, individuals can actually go to the European Court of Human Rights and complain that their state has in some way breached their human rights, for example, uh, in some areas concerning discrimination on the ground of disability, or forced medical treatment, or forced detention in a psychiatric center. Um, So we have that check. uh, And uh, it's the court the European Court of Human Rights does often hand down decisions which find that states European states have breached the human rights of individuals, have breached the human rights of disabled people, and these court decisions are taken very seriously at the level of the European Union. we also have a court the the, the Court of Justice of the European Union, and that um, in some way also exercises a check on the actions of Member states. And and that happens with regard to European Union disability legislation, for example, the directive on non-discrimination that I mentioned. So I think a big difference between the situation in Australia and the situation in Europe is that there is an external check in some cases, not in all cases, but in some cases regarding what states are actually doing in terms of uh, compliance with human rights uh, at the European level, whether it be the European Convention of Human Rights, which is mainly civil and political rights, uh, or whether it be European Union legislation, which uh, can concern um, uh, economic and and social rights in some cases. Uh, And I I think... uh, uh, If I were an individual in Australia, I would, uh, on the one hand, firstly like to see a human rights bill adopted here uh, along the lines of, or probably better than the European Convention of Human Rights. uh, And I would like to see somebody other than the state, other than the government, actually controlling whether Australia was complying with the human rights that it had signed up to.
1: Well, that's certainly
2: something we can work towards.
1: Lisa Waddington, thanks very much for your time today. Thank you very much, Bernadette. You're very welcome.
0: That's our show for this week. If you're in Melbourne, Lisa will be giving a seminar on employment discrimination against people with disabilities this Thursday afternoon. That's Thursday, June the 11th at 1pm. Full details of this event are on our website, www.socialequity.unimelb.edu.au. We'd love to hear your thoughts about the discussion that we've had today. Send us an email or connect with us on Twitter. All being equal, is recorded at the Hallwood Recording Studio, University of Melbourne. Gavin Neighbour is our audio engineer. Subscribe on iTunes to make sure that you never miss an episode. I'm Gary Dixon, and we'll be back soon.